You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. Now, this is an American history podcast. And each week I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. And your name is Dave Anthony. That's right. I'm head of HR of The Dollop. Nope. And I'm also one of the uh, hosts of the show. <laughs> All right, let's just and uh, as as we, we had an understanding just, yesterday through text, you, you need to come. Let's see just HR. leave this bit off air. You need to see HR. Nope, I'm not going to keep doing it. You talk to what? You talk to giraffe. You talk to a, a pig. <laughs> how many? How many characters t- told you to go see HR yesterday in that text? Far too many for a man of your age to be sending. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. (laughs) My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam. On a five part coefficient. (laughs) My room is Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. A- action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. Yeah, man. That's our theme song. Hot. Uh, I just, and uh, I just real quick want to uh, play a song that uh, I was given recently. <laughs> That's okay with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Gareth Reynolds, you're good, man. Your name is Gareth. Your name is not Gary. Oh, oh, oh. You are a funny man. Oh, yeah. You sound cause. Yes, you do. You're a talented and wonderful man. You know, uh, so there's good music out there about us. So go find it. September 8th, 1922. Okay. Year uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a religious podcast. I'd rather it not be. We are spreading the word of Jesus. All right. Let's just... Let's just what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not... I'm not... Yeah, it's... Yes, okay, I accept God. Let's go. Lyndon Hermile LaRouche Jr. was born in Rochester, New Hampshire. I'm going to need one more take of the name. Lyndon Hermile LaRouche Jr. Okay. Because you hear it once, you're like, we got to give my son this name. It could be Hermily, but I really doubt it. Yeah. Um, had to have been a family name, right? Yes. You don't, do you don't just. You don't no. throw that on a kid. Well, I mean, like, unless you're in the bathtub doing a bunch of opium, you're like, I've got it. Uh, Hermile. Hermile. Uh, born in Rochester, New Hampshire. His parents, Orthodox Quakers, <laughs> as well as uh, really, really fervent anti-communists. Uh, really against communism. Okay. While many Quakers are known for their tolerance, Lyndon was from the other strain of Quakers. Okay, so he was... Uh, his parents sent him to... He's not the oatmeal kind. He's not the happy Quakers that we've right. come to know and love in Well, that's an interesting policy. How about we break bread? Instead, he's like, kill him. <laughs> Let's kill him. Break bones. His parents sent him to Quaker summer camps. Oh, what a nightmare. But not for enjoyment. 
No, nobody's there for enjoyment. He had orders to organize other campers against Bolshevik sympathizing counselors. So what kind of camp is this? It's just a regular camp, but he's there. It's a regular camp, but he's been sent in to find communists, as you do with children. How old is he? He's, you know, it's when he's a kid. He's like, you know, 10, 11. 10, and he's there to sniff out communists at his camp. Yeah, well, what would you do? Again, probably... Probably just starting some. Did your parents not send you out to find communists in, in in summer camps? I mean, I was there. There was probably another kid doing that. I was just on like. Well, that makes me wonder. I was in the water. What what kind of family you come? Like a communist? You from a communist family? No. Do you love America? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lyndon. <laughs> Lyndon was heavily bullied, but his parents said he did not fight back due to Quaker pacifism. So okay. he's also a pacifist. Wait, okay. You There's a find, lot of... You can find... You can root out the communists. But when you find them, if they push you, walk know, away no, head you're, held you're, high. Yeah, you're a pacifist. Okay. Uh, what was that? That was my... Uh, was that in you, that, that sound? Was, that was in me. <laughs> Boy. I have, I'm made of mainly springs. <laughs> <laughs> this led to more bullying as it, quote, became a challenge to those who speculated on exactly how much abuse... I would tolerate. Wow. So that's, you know, that's not great. No. Uh, In 1932, the family moved to the Boston suburb of Lynn. Okay. In 1941, Lyndon's father was expelled from the Quakers for publishing rambling, conspiracy-filled accusations against other local Quakers, as well as support for Hitler. Well, this is developing (laughs) nicely, isn't it? This is really coming along. Okay, so yeah, well, we're I'm on side Quaker here. Yeah, this obviously. is not classic Quaker behavior. No, this guy's rogue. Uh, Lyndon and his mother resigned in solidarity from the Quakers. Right. Okay, but uh, they weren't like necessarily giving Hitler shout-outs. They were just like, "We're with Dad." Or you know, maybe maybe they were into Hitler. Who knows? Sure, sure. I mean, they're not writing the letters, but nope. I would imagine you're getting brainwashed quite a bit with your dad, your Hitler loving dad. Yeah, don't I know it? Mm. In fall 1941, Lyndon went to college at Northeastern University. He lasted one year. I got in there. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's a bad sign. Yeah, he was quote disgusted with the uh, methodological uh, methodological yeah, me- methodological incompetence of most of uh, my courses and the general philistinism accompanying them. Okay. So blah blah blah. It's a lot of Northeastern talk. You wouldn't get it. Yeah, I wouldn't get it at all. Lenin then declared himself a World War II conscientious objector, but he got bored, and he fell in with the Indian Communist Party. Oh, sorry, I messed that up. He grew bored in 1944. He joined the army, serving as a medic in Burma and India. Okay. And while he was in Calcutta, he fell in with the Indian Communist Party, but. He- it- so he is... Yeah, go ahead. You seeing something here? Well, I'm seeing a 180-degree spin. That's right. So it's, he's rebelling, and if his dad's whole thing is anti-communism, he's going he's gonna, to, as kids try to find well, their own way... what's he rebelling against? Is, is there specific, a, spe- a specific moment he's rebelling against, or I, it's just in general how his think, dad's kind of casually bringing up Hitler a lot at dinner yeah. now and being like, it's pretty good, though. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know who else is good? Hitler. Good meatloaf, but Hitler also pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so he's you know the war's on. He's in he's in Calcutta. There's some cool communists around. Sure. Uh, so by the time he leaves India, 
1946. He was, quote, a hardened Trotskyist. Wow. <laughs> okay. So time to go see Daddy. <laughs> So Trotskyism is a Marxist ideology based on the theory of permanent revolution. Okay. Boy. Um, Endless? Believes in an economic system sort of beyond borders as like a world system. Sure. Um, rather than a national one. Right. And that the working class has hege- hegemony over the revolutionary class, right? So okay. it's a little bit different than some other ways right. communists look at it. Okay. Um, so it's pretty hardcore. Right. Hardcore shit. Uh, 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 Lyndon returned to Lynn and in 1949 joined the local branch of a Trotskyist organization, the Socialist Workers Party. Okay. So he comes home. Uh, he's in. Now he's just full on in to socialism and communism. He's diving in. Yeah. He started using the pseudonym Lynn Marcus. Lynn Marcus? Yeah, so he's just changed his name. <laughs> okay. Hermile, <Yeah>. come home. <laughs> he said it was based on his army nickname, Marco Polo. Hmm? His army nickname is Marco Polo? Apparently. Was that just during pool time? Uh, you know, I did see some kids the other day playing Marco Polo in the park, and one would just close their eyes, and the other one... Other ones would run around. Yeah, so you play Marco Polo, uh, but what not, is the in, way not you in a think? pool. Oh, just in, outside of a pool? Yeah, That's the future the we're going to live in. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I, I don't know if that's a great army nickname. It's probably not a great army it, nickname because it kind of means like you can't see anybody. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, Le- uh, Lennon got a job at a local General Electric plant to recruit workers to the cause. Okay. So in 1954... So that's just casually kind of bringing it up at, you know, like on a coffee break during a fat shoot. Yeah. Just being like, man, oh man, do you think we all deserve a little bit more? Or everything? Yeah. Don't you think the workers should control the factory? <laughs> what? I'm just eating ruffles. Yeah, we're all just eating ruffles. <laughs> but it would be pretty fun to have a permanent revolution, wouldn't it? And I'm not just talking in the factory. I'm talking worldwide. What if the world was the factory? Mmm, I love this sour cream and cheddar kind. <laughs> so so the, that was the Socialist Workers Party thing. They would try to get you jobs at factories, and then we would try to... Right, you infiltrate, Infiltrating the right, workers, right? right? In 1954, he married Lynn, who was a fellow SWP member. Wait, sorry. He... What? His... Sorry. His name is originally Lyndon. He moved to Lynn... He changes his name to Lynn, and he's marrying Lynn? Well, her name is actually uh, Janice Newberger, but she uh, changed it to Lynn. So just everybody's slowly becoming Lynn? There's a lot of Lynn's going on. I mean, this is... Yeah, I mean, look, there wasn't a lot of creativity happening. There's none. I mean, they're like, what should we call it? What city do we live in? We'll both be Lynn. Hey, Lynn? Yes, Yes, Lynn. Ah, we shouldn't have done this. No, not you. Sorry. The Lynn next to you. I was talking about the city. Huh? I was talking about the city. Oh, well, now I've got two Lynn's over here, and I'm a Lynn. <laughs> what did you want, Lynn? Uh, did I you guys just... say something about me? No, not you, Lynn. Sorry. We're, <laughs> We're a, trying to form a... Got a room uh, full of Lynn's here again. This keeps happening. We're just union. trying to go to Lynn. We're... Hey, we should name the workers' union Lynn. What does it stand for? Local Lynn 142 Lynn. Mm, it's catchy. Yeah. Hi, Lynn. You gonna say something about Lynn? What? Hi, Lynn. Hi, I'm also Lynn. Hey, bro. He said his name's Lynn. Who talks dog? Who's that person? That's me. I'm on <laughs> LSD. Uh, so he gets married. They moved to New York City, where uh, the Socialist Worker Party headquarters were. Lyndon read a lot, 
Uh, Which Lynn? Uh, Lyndon. Okay, Lyndon. We'll do, I, I'm not going to call him Lynn. I'm going to call him Lyndon just Thank to you. lack. Yeah. For cohesion, when people keep changing their names, we'll just stick with the birth name. Okay. Um, so he read a lot about cybernetics and computing and then became convinced Trotskyists weren't thinking big enough about transformations of the world. Okay. So the people who are looking to transform the world... The, the people who are looking for uh, world permanent revolution, revolution... Are not thinking big enough. Thi- are too tiny of thinkers. Yes. <laughs> he, what is... What's bigger? Uh, <laughs> a universal workers' party. Underwater life. That's right. We have to also... Move underwater. Yeah. He wrote for socialist publications and started a management consulting company. Okay. Which advised managers how to control workers and reduce labor cost. Okay. To control workers and reduce labor. But what? wait. This, What's the problem? Does this guy, is, does he, can he pick a spot and stay in it? So he, what do you mean? Are you gone, saying? He's, he's gone from now being a communist. No, he's still doing that at night. Yes. Okay. So okay. So, his, so he's still doing it. His, his, he's daylighting as someone who's working against okay. his cause. So hear me out. So he's he's a, he's a Trotskyist. He's trying to organize workers to to, to essentially have a, a a worldwide revolution where the workers are in in, in charge. Yes, essentially. the workers run things, and then but he's got to make money, right? So he starts a management business that he know what he knows really well is how. Workers organized, so he now can use that information to make some uh, cash on the side of telling managers how to control workers, and then he can use that money. Uh, he can put that money back into uh, his communist okay. uh, party. Right. Uh, so it's uh, you see how it works. Yes, it's a, he's like a dietitian who's a competitive eater. That's correct. Right. Okay. Uh, so Lennon also now began to fancy himself as a physics expert. I've done that. Because he's done so much reading. And once you've read enough, you're like, yeah, that's how physics works. And most things. Yeah. Doctors, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, during one 40 hour writing binge with no food or sleep, he what? quote, he went on a 40 hour. Dave, this guy's okay. Now I'm a hundred percent. This guy's insane. I no. was pretty sure this what? man's crazy. What are you talking about? He just writes for 40 hours. He's an idea, man. That's methy. Uh, he, quote, saw clearly for the first time the nature of the solution to the particle field paradox. Oh, he's the guy, huh? Yeah. This is the guy who did it. The particle field paradox and its solution were both invented by Lyndon LaRouche. Wait. So he... he this he, guy, He Dave. finally solved the solution. He got the solution he found a to problem. the particle field paradox, which is but something that he, he came up with. He made up. Yeah. Right. That's easy to do. Yeah, I well, finally answered the age-old question I asked last week. <laughs> Around this time, he also began holding psychoanalytic counseling sessions. Oh, here we go. One client was a former freedom writer who committed suicide. Lyndon claimed it was due to a savage remark made by Janice. Who's Janice? His wife, Lynn. Oh, Lynn. Lynn, too. Okay. Uh, London, uh, Lyndon, Lynn. it quote. Um, he, so he was during a psychoanalyzing session. This guy kills himself. Not, and he's like, Janice. Not, not during. But no, but like it was, later. It was one of his subsequently. clients slash patients. Sure, over there. killed himself. And he's like, Janice. And yeah, he said Janice. her eyes. He said, uh, it, quote, killed my last strong feeling for the marriage. And in 1963, they separated. Oh. Lynn v. Lynn. It's rough. Yeah. In 1964, Lyndon moved in with another uh, socialist worker party uh, member, Carol Schnitzer. 
Uh, they never married, and she, be, but she still became Carol LaRouche. So I don't really understand how that works, but she changed her name. This guy has taken the rule book and, and tossed it. And now let's remember, he's still going by Lynn Marcus. Yes, he's Lynn Marcus, and now he's married to Ka- Ka- Carol LaRouche, who took his, I guess what I'd call his maiden name. <laughs> So problems started uh, to arise in the Socialist Worker Party. Factional disputes. In 1966, Lyndon and Carroll left the Socialist Workers' Party. Okay. And in 1967, Lyndon started teaching Marxism classes at the Free School of New York. And he started to recruit followers. He was pulling away from the Stalinist Progressive Labor Party. Okay. So this is, this is very, like... These are factions. Yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. The classes also attracted students from Columbia University, and Lyndon became involved with the Columbia chapter of Students for a Democratic Society, which was a, comp- comp- a countrywide campus organization. Okay. Uh, and in 1968, the SDS occupied Columbia to protest Vietnam. Big news all across the country. Lyndon's involved in that. He helped organize behind the scenes, and his followers, followers are a major part of the action, right? Okay. But, like the Socialist Worker Party, the, uh, the Students for a Democratic Society also start splintering into factions. Right. It's just, it's just the left. This is right. what the left does. Yes, I was just <laughs> this is how they operate. Rings a minor bell. <laughs> one, one was loyal uh, to Lyndon. That group became the National Caucus of Labor Committees, the NCLC. Okay. So that's his, now this is his organization. Okay, NCLC, okay. The NCLC expanded and became a prominent national Marxist organization. Okay. It published a major leftist newspaper, New Solidarity. In 1971, it formed a political party, the U.S. Labor Party. Okay. They had an intense rivalry with the Communist Party USA. Okay. NCLC members disrupted communist meetings. The Communist Party, in turn, claimed the NCLC was being secretly run by government agents, which you would think. Like, if there's another leftist organization that is coming in and fucking up your meetings and you're communist, right. like, well, they have to be. Right. There's no way that somebody who believes as closely to I is going to do something to blow this all up. That's right. Right. To throw uh, a little flavor into the mix, Lyndon then became obsessed with European fascism. Here it is. <laughs> May as well be a boat horn in the distance. It's coming. Here it is. Here it is. In 1971, he wrote an article predicting a fascist movement would soon rise in America. Oh, dear. Oh, no. He said the movement would use Jews as scapegoats, uh. and its capitalist leaders would use, quote, advanced brainwashing techniques to create, quote, left proto-fascist zombies. Oh, my God, Dave. This left is... proto-fascist zombies. <sighs> But advanced brainwashing techniques is not... What? I mean, that's not really re- realistic. Let's be honest. Advanced brainwashing techniques? Yeah, what is that? I, I mean, I would think we live in a time of advanced brainwashing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> he somehow had managed to be an accepted uh, part of the left in America and was being invited to speak on college campuses. So he's you know he's out there he's part of the left movement still right. and he's talking all over the place and giving out his ideas right in 1971 he even debated debated respected a communist abba learner 
Lennon then began purging independent-minded members from the NCLC. Smart. That's how you grow. That's right. Uh, and doing this, he became surrounded by unquestioning loyal supporters. Hmm. That's what you want. That's, yep. Much like his dad's hero, Hitler. <laughs> In January 1973, the NCLC had 600 members and 25 chapters. Okay. Uh, a couple in Europe. Um, and then Carol left Lyndon and moved to England with a, another male NCLC member. So she's... Okay. She, right. She, a new faction. Yeah, she's finding some hot sex from a younger guy. I think we can pretty much gather pretty, what happened. It's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. No, we get it. It's, she left with a guy. And she's like, let's do this near the Thames. She's, right? let's, let's do this near the Thames? Is what, That's not a quote. Can we just... That's what she said. Let's we understand. She found another lover and I left. Have, I got to fuck you under parlor. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? All right. No, I, I personally know the place, Liz, and don't... Uh, I think we get it. She went to England with a guy. Yep. I want to. I want to stop. No, we went. She went to England with a guy. We don't need any more actual specifics of wanna, what she stopped. You take me from behind, and I look at the gherkin. At the gherkin? It's a building in London. Grow Is up. it? Yeah. Get some fucking culture. Getting the gherkin in front and in back. Um, let's keep it clean. You son of a bitch! You <laughs> led me there. <laughs> so um, now this, now this, uh, Carol and, and the other. Uh, the the dude left right after the NCLC's rivalry with the Communist Party USA intensified. Quite okay, Lyndon uh, started ordering the NCLC's most athletic members to undergo street fighter training. This is quite a turn with clubs, pipes, and nunchucks. Oh my god! Yeah, nunchucks, just like you find behind a dumpster. <laughs> Just a street fight. They're all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It is the 70s, so there is a lot of nunchucks It's around. probably the peak of nunchucks on yeah. the street. Um, in April, the Communist Party picketed an NCLC conference with signs comparing the NCLC to the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. Who are not great. Now, if memory serves, an abysmal organization. Yeah. Uh, the NCLC held... Uh, 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 oh, God. Uh, the NC held a meeting at which Lyndon uh, vowed to, quote, mop the CP up in two months. Mop. Okay. Yeah. And that began, oper- that began Operation Mop Up. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Operation Mop Up? Yeah. Wow. He's like Mickey from Rocky. He's, yeah. If he were like a general. He's going, to, he's going, it's a war. They're declaring war against the Congress A street Party fighting USA. pipe nunchucking war. That's right. Classic left stuff. Yeah, it's the very very lefty. <laughs> uh, so uh, the NCLC battalions would storm leftist bookstores and beat anyone up who tried to stop them, which included the use of nunchucks. So they're Jesus just going, they're going so into like bookstores book with nunchucks because the bookstores are all affiliated with a party, right? Imagine it's a if you were in Barnes and Noble and someone came in <laughs> with not- nunchucks. And just began beating people. Okay, first of all, it's not Barnes and Noble because Barnes and Noble isn't like run by some socialist guy. It's it's like a it's like an it's affiliated cra- bookstore. So there's still, like yeah, you're we're in there like re- just like uh-huh. you're just reading you're just reading you're like well check out a little uh, well, I'm gonna read a little bit about Stalin right now. <laughs> Uh, and then dudes come through the door with uh, nunchucks, right? And uh, you, you you have a little skull fracture. Well, yeah, because but that's your own fault for being in the wrong bookstore and trying to stop them, that's which is right. my favorite <laughs> line in the sand. Don't try to stop them from beating you, or you'll get beaten. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So in Detroit, a partially paralyzed activist was savagely beaten. Uh. 30 NCLC attackers in Philadelphia raided a leftist meeting. A witness said, quote, the stairs were a mass of blood. So they're fucking... Yeah, they're... They're rolling. Yep. New Solidarity ran overtly racist articles. Boy, this is really... It's just... It's been a subtle U-turn, but a really (laughs) crazy one. (laughs) To get here. I mean, this all started very simply. We've definitely taken some turns. Yes. Uh, In Buffalo, an all-white NCLC gang terrorized a Martin Luther King Society meeting... Going in and assaulting black members. What, what is, like, how do, how do you get there from where he just was? I mean, now it's, it's just the expansion of believing that your party is exclusive and better than everything else, essentially? Well, uh, going through this, it, it's hard to do it in a linear fashion. This was one where there was just yeah. constantly shit shifting and moving. But he, he's, he started to... Uh, have some relationships with some KKK people. So, so there slowly, was a reason right. that they accused him of. Right. Right. Um, so there was at, at that Martin Luther King society meeting, there was a noticeable lack of police response. Weird. Can you imagine a bunch of white people beating a bunch of black people Weird. and there not being a police response? Can I you imagine can. that in America? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I saw it somewhere in a vision. This led to a belief that law enforcement supported Operation Mop-Up. Weird. So weird. There is evidence the FBI sent anonymous pamphlets to fan the flames. Wait a weirder. And promote the leftist infighting. Dave, what? Yeah. (laughs) Operation Mop-Up involved at least 60 attacks. No one was critically injured, but several people were hospitalized. Okay. Then in the middle of this insane war that he started, Lyndon just declared victory and called the war over. That's how you do it. Hey, we did it, boys. That's how you do it. Mopped up. A racket. We did everything we came here to do. Uh, We got the oil. Everything's going to be fine now. It's done from here on out. The NCLC immediately left the Communist Party alone. So that was it. They just all of a sudden were like, all right, we we did our thing. Okay. Many believe the real goal was to weed out uncommitted NCLC members and deepen the commitment of remaining members. Oh, my God. So it was like, who will fight for me? Yes, it is. And people stepped up. Yes. Fight Club the Cult. That's right. Fight Club the Cult. So he got, now he got even deeper into his psychoanalysis. Oh, good. Good, good, good. And the group at this point was definitely a cult. Yeah. I mean, every step of the way it's only gotten stronger and stronger yeah. as a cult he's always been he's been the whole thing's been weeding but people this out. now is now now you're okay so you've worked on the physical now let's get inside of your head that's right he told his members he would quote make you organizers by taking your bedrooms away from you i shall expose you to the cruel fact of your impotence i will to- take away from you all you all hope that you can flee the terrors of politics to the safety of the personal life so he's saying... I mean, without question, I'd be like, I'm leaving now. Yeah, this, this is, is not great. This is officially bad. You, well, you say that, but you'd also be like, I've gotten two hours sleep, and this sounds awesome. Yeah, and I'd be like, and I beat a guy with a nunchuck, so... I'm in. Yeah, all right. Take away our beds. Many of the members lived in an apartment block, and there he held meetings where he encouraged the group to heap vicious verbal attacks on a sole member. Okay. 
When the person broke down and started sobbing hysterically, uh, Lyndon called it a sign of psychic liberation, uh, and, and he named this it... This is so culty. He named it ego stripping. Ah. Uh, we, but we've heard this in a million... I know, but it's still hor- It's so yeah. horrible when it, like, starts. Yeah, but it's always the same thing. They all do this yeah. thing where they just... By the way, person. how... Uh, over, under, right now, until he starts having sex with uh, people in the cult. I'm going to say... But you know what? I always... I, I, those are the ones I... The cult stories I avoid. That's why we don't do very many cult stories, because... They all usually end up with a guy being like, all right, look, I'm going to fuck your daughter. You can't have sex. Nobody else can have sex. I have sex with everybody. Yeah, and then he starts having sex with the women. He's right. like, by the way, I should also probably start having sex with your daughter. Right. Every cult. That's like every cult. Right. Yeah. So I don't so do So this those. is a non-fucking cult. This is a non-fucking cult, which is uh, rare. I'll put my shirt back on. Um, when? <sighs> don't. When? Don't. Don't. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. Take mine off. Okay, no. When the person, uh, oh, yeah, so the person breaks down and starts sobbing hysterically. It's called ego stripping, and uh, he called it, quote, an act of social love. Right. Which is what you do when you verbally destroy another human being. Sure, yeah. But during sessions, he called himself Der Ascherlinker, German for the abominable one. Oh, my God. This is not good. This is an act of social love from the abominable one. (laughs) The abominable one. Yeah. I'm Der Schleicher, the abominable one. (laughs) An NCLC member, ex-NCLC member, described it as, quote, pure psychological terror that transformed us into sniveling informers vying with each other for Lyndon's approval. Uh. Now, Lyndon told his followers he was being targeted for assassination by different villains. Of course. The Joker. KGB. International drug traffickers. Henry Kissinger. FBI. The Ayatollah Khomeini. Oh, my God. Muammar Gaddafi. This list is... Okay, so what's the plan? Blow up the world? Look, I mean, look, there's a lot of of sneaky dudes in there. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bad list to have. That's a bad list of people who want to kill you. If all those people want to kill you... You will be killed. Particularly Henry Kissinger. If Henry Kissinger wants you dead, you almost die instantly. When a puddle with blinking eyeballs can kill you, you know it's dangerous. How is Kissinger still alive? He's not at this point. He's like clay that needs to get shaped again. God. (laughs) Exactly, Henry. (laughs) He warned followers that if they let the CIA kidnap and torture them, quote, it's not the pain that brainwashes people. What kills you is when you eat excrement as a way. Yep. 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 This is what he warns his followers that if if they let if they let the CIA kidnap and torture them let is the quote it's not the pain that brainwashes people what kills you is when you eat excrement as a way of inducing your torturer to lay off the pain oh my god what what he so <laughs> in his world the CIA has you in a room and they're just beating you until you eat shit mm mm-hmm. mhm well, you, he's saying you eat your own shit oh. as a way of letting them know that you've lost your mind. And are they the ones putting you up to this, or you just eventually I are think, like, I've I think, proven it. I think, you're getting Hello. I think you're getting tortured so much. I went there. At some point, you're like, guard. I'm going to eat my poop now. Guard. Guard. I have an update. I'm officially broken. Look at what I've eaten. There is a lot of fecal play in prison. Well, you're just talking about the musical, right? Yeah. 
He then wrote a new solidarity editorial titled, Will You Eat Shit for Rockefeller so this CIA? Is a, this is a can he's going to kick a little further down the street then, is it? So he's fallen in love with something that he said, and he's like, I really think there's a future here. Yeah, there's the really... fact that the CIA makes you eat poo. I, I'm onto something with the shitting stuff. I know I am. Like, uh, I and then you know what is... happens. They're going to make you eat poo again. I mean, I studied physics. So All right. I'm, I I'm actually the guy who solved that problem I created. The shitting problem. Yeah. I found a... Yeah. Like they say in science, find a hole and fill it with shit. <laughs> so... Then Lennon said a German NCLC member was brainwashed by a KGB CIA team, which is pretty common for those two to Those come. Well, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I, you laugh, but those two work together a ton. Like, people think they were investigating each other. They were forming the CIJKGB. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and given orders to assassinate him. Mm-hmm. When they're working in conjunction, you are an enemy. You're in, yeah. And, of course, they want to take down some crazy cult leader. Yeah. Uh, but Lyndon foiled the plot by recognizing the symptoms of brainwashing and deprogramming the assassin hmm. using techniques, quote, absolutely unprecedented in psychological science. Dave, let's go to the video. <laughs> oh, we don't have video evidence of this. Oh, that's interesting. So he's just sort of, it's hearsay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's very much the definition of, hmm. he's just like, hey, this thing happened. Well, and I used since my- you guys were eating lunch, I've got a crazy update. I just got a man from the CIA to eat his poop. I'm fucking crazy good at this stuff. All right. Lyndon wrote internal NCLC documents, wrote in an internal NCLC document in August, quote, rats, see them approaching, see their beady eyes. So many beady eyes all looking at us. Ugh. It seems almost that rats have hands. CIA rats, KGB rats, FBI rats, trade union official rats, left rats generally, rats, rats, rats. Be impotent. The rats hate anything which is not impotent. There are so many rats, gigantic, awfully monstrous beetles, malevolent beetles with beady uh, beetle eyes and gigantic sexual organs are coming to rape us. Oh, man. Anyway, enjoy your uh, breakfast, guys. Anyways. All right, enough Alex Jones for everyone. Uh, (laughs) Wow. So. That's kind of writing. It's getting a little crazy. What? Yeah, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. He's just getting into rat stuff. Boy, oh boy. Linda began to write a lot more. It would be great if someone had to, like, if that was a dictation. (laughs) Andrea, come in here. I've got a note I want to give you. Rats, 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 they're all coming, uh-huh. beady little eyes, okay. rats, a lot of them, rats, yeah. rats, rats. Yeah. I hate the Beatles. The band? Yep, especially John. Okay. He's a rat. He oh. ate his own poo. CIA made him rats, 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 uh-huh. rats, 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 Beatles, yeah. rats, poo ate John. Um... Uh-huh. Signed, Lyndon, uh-huh. Lynn, uh-huh. Hermile, uh-huh. Carol, yep. from Lynn, yep. the second, second. junior. Um, Would you read that back to me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you're really into scat, like it's repetitive. Well... It's just what the, it's the prison they've they've put us in. Okay, we have no choice but to fight. Okay, so I'm gonna uh, just drop this and scream and run. Okay. Okay. Yep. Ready. 
Linda began to write uh, a lot more. One example is a 26,000-word uh, piece called, That's a lot. called, quote, The Sexual Impotence of the Puerto Rican Socialist Party. Oh, sweet God. This is just, like, <laughs> hard to even, like... <laughs> <laughs> this guy's beginning harder and harder to mock because you're like, all right, this is genuinely horrible. Uh, yeah, look, the uh, the Puerto Rican socialists can't fuck. Oh boy, Here that's my. Go. I'm gonna. I'll change the title, but right now it's the Puerto Rican socialists <laughs> can't fuck. Um, so that 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 like covered everything from Hegel to the agony of self consciousness to racial racist ramblings on Latin American macho culture. Um, and and these kind of these kind of writings become his thing. Like it's just right. happening all the time. These just they're sort of just rants about whatever a crazy man is thinking. Sure, uh, we call it Twitter. Yes. Uh, so Carol, remember Carol is yep, uh, ex who went to England Carol with LaRouche, that guy, not married. Yep. Right. Uh, she was banging the guy at the Gherkin. So he returns. The, who, guy, the guy. Yeah, the guy. And Carol returns. stays. Uh, the Carol was banging. He comes back to New York alone. I don't know if it's with okay. uh, with or without her. Didn't didn't find that out. Okay. So, Lyndon decided that uh, this guy had been brainwashed when he oh, came no. back, and he deprograms him. Okay. Uh, and then he said the boyfriend had been tortured by the CIA and MI6 and given a trigger word. Oh. And once he heard that trigger word, he would kill Carol. Uh, um, so he's did he write the naked gun? Because that is the plot. <laughs> And he would. I'm not sure when the Manchurian Candidate came out. Oh right, it was way before oh, this. So he, yeah, this is clearly just taken from the right. 62. Yeah, so he just took it from. I. Hey, Lyndon. I know. I love your rights, but I. But I, I remember seeing this in a movie. Um uh, Yeah. What? Uh, Frank, it's a Frank Sinatra, uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Have you seen? Oh, uh, it sounds pretty close. Nope, nope. It's a movie. Yeah, it's a nope. Not ringing any bells. But this This is different. This is basically where we're just going to take somebody and manipulate them to the point that. Uh, you know, they are able to do the bidding of the system, and that's what we're fighting against. No sort of Mandarin candidate or whatever you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, there's none of that, and I don't even think that's a movie. Has anyone even heard of that movie? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's heard of it except for those hands that went up. So nobody's heard of it. Everybody raised it. We there's all nobody's saw heard it. of it. It was a movie night here. We did that on the movie night here. All right. Here it is. Cat's out of the bag. I wrote the Manchurian Candidate. There we go. Oh, my God. It's yep. amazing. But I wrote it based on this situation. And I went back in time and wrote it then. Wow. So I just have placed that in you guys this week. Were there, were, it's a rat, were there rats and she, man shit eaters? I'm not. I know what you guys are after. You want a rat rant. <laughs> You're not going to milk one <laughs> Wait, out of me. On. Not, no, I'm one not. One rat rant. <laughs> Rat, 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 rat. Uh, their beady little eyes are coming down the street. That's why I'm here, baby. Um, so, uh, right, so he deprograms this guy, and uh, and also the the boyfriend, uh, one of the other things he had been brainwashed to do was to convince Cubans in the USA to assassinate Lyndon. Sure. Quite a list of people trying to kill this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, a long hard, list. His job's tough. Yeah. Uh, Lyndon quote, any of you who say this is a hoax, you're cruds, you're subhuman, you're not serious, the human race is at stake, either we win or there is no humanity. It is very Alex Jonesy. Uh, yeah. 
The boyfriend wrote flyers uh, about his brainwashing, and then those were passed out in cities. In cities, okay. The NCLC sent tapes of of his deprogramming to the New York Times. Sure. So audio tapes of, of. when he was deprogrammed <laughs> right. by Lyndon. Finally. The Times article, which is written on this, quote, there are sounds of weeping and vomiting. Oh, my God. That's and, quite a start. And Mr. White complains of being deprived of sleep, food, and cigarettes. At one That's point, quite a list for that guy to be complaining, too. Uh, I need the basics. Water, food, Marlboro. <laughs> at one point, someone says, raise the voltage. But LaRouche says this was associated with the bright lights used in the questioning rather than an electric shock. Well, but I, to be fair, you know how it is when, like, you want someone to turn the lights on. Yeah. You're just like, hit the voltage button. <laughs> like, that's how we say it. So it had to be about the light. Just imagine being so crazy that you torture a guy and then send that as a tape to the New York Times. And yeah. Like, look, we found out this information. Here it is. And he's just puking and whining. And you're like, what do you think, huh? Not easy. Uh, yeah. People say I have it easy. I don't. I do not. You heard what I had to put that man through. I turned those lights on real bright at him. Any, LC, any NCLC uh, members who were skeptical, Lyndon accused of being in on uh, the plot. Well, then it's time to leave, because otherwise he's going to deprogram you. Yeah, I don't want that. No. In January 1974, a member wrote a note saying she was being held prisoner and forced to listen to Beethoven at a high volume. Okay. But, so he is just like, is he, I mean, is the clockwork orange? He's just lifting plots. Well, this is also a, a Scientology thing. Okay, great. Uh, help people prisoner and loud music and stuff. Uh, she made it, uh, so she wrote this note, and she, and she folds it into a paper airplane and throws it out the window. Oh, God. And someone gets it. Oh, my God. Imagine finding the, whatever this is about to say. <laughs> imagine, what's this? Oh, my God. Where? What the hell? <laughs> Police came, and uh, they were greeted by NCLC members who said they were staying with her because she'd been brainwashed to kill Lyndon. You don't understand. We've got to turn the voltage up. And they were like, okay, well, that's... We know what you guys are going to do. Put her in a cell, make her eat her poo. No, thank you very much. Poo eater. By early 1974, anyone who questioned Lyndon was out of the NCLC. Okay. By mid-1974, Lyndon made connections with the Ku Klux Klan and neo-Nazis. Great. So we are finally... We finally arrived at our destination. Where we wanted to be, always. Lyndon and NCLC members met with Klan leaders and neo-Nazis. In 1975, Lyndon said the real enemy was the non-NCLC left and the NCLC should, quote, cooperate with the right to defeat this common enemy. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. I mean, look, if you have an enemy. So in 1976, now going by Lyndon LaRouche. Okay. So now he's changed his name back from Lynn Marcus. Right. He ran as the UCLP's presidential nominee. So that's the party he made way back when that we talked about. Okay, so he's now finally running for president. And they've, they've already run uh, a bunch of candidates around the country in you know, smaller races. Right. At a third but party, I think they hated races. Hey, hey Aaron, oh, ring the bell. We're killing it in here. At a third-party debate, Lyndon said if Carter won, there would quickly be a global financial collapse uh-huh. followed by a nuclear war. Uh-huh. This is in a debate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said what happened Counterpoint, Jimmy? <laughs> well, uh, uh, I don't believe he has any factual information to back that up. Um, he won 40,000 primary votes 
they had wow. 140 USLP uh, candidates in 21 states, uh, and they won more nationwide votes than any left-wing third party. <coughs> wow. And more votes than all but one right-wing third party. Wow. Lennon went to a conference. There's an appetite. There is. People want this kind of great information. They want to hear something uh, new and yeah. interesting. Yeah. Lennon went to a conference in Germany in 1977 and, and, and see. I was yeah. just about to say, get this guy to Germany. <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> and there he met Helga Zepp. When he returned. Is this person animated? Uh, yes. Okay. She's a cartoon character. When he returned, he called Jews a, quote, subhuman oligarchical species Mm -hmm. and claimed a Jewish conspiracy. Was this a customs? Yes. Sir, we're just asking how long you were there. (laughs) And he claimed a Jewish conspiracy had put Hitler into power and brainwashed Nazis into their atrocities. Wow. That is quite a theory. (laughs) It really. That is really. It really doesn't hold up. It would be like, we're going to play a game called, how do you offend Jewish people about the Holocaust the most? It's really the worst. You guys did it. <laughs> you came up with Hitler. Wait, what? Uh-huh. This is the worst sneaky, idea ever. Sneaky, Not sneaky. This nice is try. literally the worst idea ever. Ah, uh, no. We've got proof. Got a ton of proof. Mm-mm. Look at this. You have no proof. Well, still, look at the palm of my hand. Yeah. That's my love line. Okay, I gotta go. It stops here, so I'll probably get married again. Good to meet you. Mm. He also started using British as a code word for Jewish. Oh God, that's that means you're that means you're saying bad things. For example, he claimed Israel, uh, the Rothschilds, and quote other British families were planning a new Holocaust. <laughs> we all know how the Rothschilds. Yep, bingo. They're planning a new Holocaust, one hundred times worse than Hitler's. Wow. In December, he married Helga. She was 55. He was 29. That can't be right. What? Oh, he was 55. She was 29. Okay. I, by the way, how amazing is it that we live in a world where that first one was like, what? And this new <laughs> one is like, right. Okay, gotcha. Yes, finally. Yes. Uh, and Lyndon was now openly fascist. Well, you know, that's the ha- title of the movie. It's a hell of a trip Openly to fascist. <laughs> hell of a trip to Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, it's not necessary to wear a swastika to be a fascist. It is what? not necessary to call oneself a fascist to be a fascist. It is simply necessary to be one. That's a pretty strong take. Dumb quote. Lyndon now solidified what he called the grand design, which oh, no. became the driving force behind his expanding network. They, uh, they're now known as the LaRouchians. That name is... It's not great. It's also there's also a lot of this wherever they go. How do you spell that? Yeah, right. Yeah, two words. Is the R capitalized? Yeah, the R is capitalized. And okay. then it's an O U. And the A is big too, or it's little. Uh, the A is little. Boy, I'm not finding you guys in here. L, hi, you guys uh, have a table at this yeah, expo? The, uh, big L, little little A. Yeah, have a big L. Big R. Little a, big R. O U C H I N S. Hyphenated? No. Oh, I've been hyphenating it. Yeah. No. I think there's two words. Yeah. Oh, I guess that makes it one word. Okay, here we go. We should have gone with the Lindens. That is catchy. Or the Lin, the Lins. Easy, easy to find. The plan was for America, this is the grand design, right? And then the world, to defeat the centuries-old Jewish cabal and become a totalitarian dictatorship ruled by a small elite of golden souls who had mastered Lindens philosophies. Mm-hmm. So right. just normal stuff. Great. So basically just a few people, a few of the Chosens live here. You want to get rid of the Jewish cabal and replace right. it with a, a small cabal of lunatics. Right, right. 
Like a small. Yes. Uh, people who weren't golden souls would become soldier citizens with no freedom. Great. Now, that also, is, that's also a fun sell. So you can either be a golden soul or you can be one of these foot soldiers. Uh, yeah, it's a slave soldier, basically. Great. Foot, yeah. Finally. Schools would teach Lenin's ideas, which would lead to unprecedented technolog- technological leaps. I, by the way, the whole time you've been talking, I've just been thinking, this guy has an eye towards the future of technology. Yeah, he sees, he's, 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 gets he's it. got like Silicon Valley in his brain. Bingo. LaRussians began fundraising at airports and crowded businesses. Their goal was to get large loans for research. They told people they were going to get those at airports. Yes. That's where you're going to get your 100K. You know, they stopped that, but that was a thing for a long time. I only know that because of watching the movie Airplane. Of course. That's how most people know. Uh, but right. It um, must. Yeah. I, I, so what? Just like tons and tons of people asking for. Yeah. Well, this was bef- this is when you could just go to the gate. Right. So uh, there was no security. So you could just walk around. I don't know if I can talk about this. I'm going to feel sick about how easy it was to get on a plane. Yeah. Those were the days when. You were just like, hey, I have a ticket. Yeah. Because now we need a, some, a group to go through that doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, except take your water, so you have to buy more. And your shampoo. It's weird. It's almost like they've made billions of dollars selling water on the other side of those uh, security. Yeah, but uh, you know how easy. Hmm? Laurentians began fundraising at airports and crowded businesses. Their goal was to get large loans for research. They told people they would get huge returns. So uh-huh. They're out there. Mm-hmm. They start uh, taking advantage of senior citizens who are taking the bait. And loans were rarely repaid. The fundraisers would bring in $200 million over the years. Wow. LaRouchines ran various businesses. One, a computer programming company, had clients including Citibank, Mobile Oil, and AT&T. Oh, good. All good companies. Uh, so it always happens with these groups. Uh, they, they start you know, pooling the money from all the, the, the cult members. Right. Like I, remember, I read about one guy, and he he was like married, and then he got into the NCLC, and then he left his wife, and then he he gave all their money to the cult, and then and then they had to give like twenty dollars a month to Lyndon, which was a pretty decent amount at yeah. the time, and so he, they would just all go on unemployment or welfare, and just give the money to him. That's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, a, that's, so, a, that's a cool chill system. Yeah, so he's just basically raking in money and then now this is investing it. Eventually, he needs more money. Yeah. So now he's getting corporate infusion. And then you also go after uh, like a guy who owns a company, and you, if you right. get him into the cult, you know, it's all that shit. Right. Right. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Lyndon gained influence through the NCLC's worldwide intelligence gathering apparatus. Okay. What is I'm picturing a robot with no wires. So a member of Reagan's National Security Council said it was, quote, one of the best private intelligence services in the world. So Wait, which was? So the NCLC has created an intelligence gathering group, and now the Reagan is saying that they're the best intelligence gatherers in the world? One of the best. Wow. NCLC higher-ups were now being invited to sit in on NSC meetings. Oh, my God. So they made connections with Reagan. David. Convinced the Reagan people that they were smart and gathering uh-huh. intelligence yep. that was important. And now they're literally sitting in on NSC meetings. Oh, boy. Could you imagine uh, uh, an administration where crazy people sit on NSC meetings? No. It's... Uh, someday that'll happen, maybe. Mm. NCLC agents impersonated media and exaggerated Lyndon's credentials. They strategically pick sides in international disputes 
and and dozens of governments then paid them to gather intelligence. So they would like the, the pick the rich Falkland side. in England, right. uh, the Falklands, uh, England and uh, and uh, Argentina, and then they would go okay, so England on this one, and then they would give England the information they wanted and get money and right. The NCLC published a periodical executive intelligence review, and it ran a lot of bad intel. (laughs) This was partly due to Roy Frankenhauser, the grand dragon of the Pennsylvania KKK, who befriended Lyndon in 1979. Jesus Christ. Roy said he was a messenger for a mysterious intelligence operative named, codenamed Mr. Ed. What? Mm -hmm. He made... He just made that up. That's it. Mr. Ed. Well, a source is a source, of course, of course. <laughs> and no one can talk to a source, of course. That is, of course, unless the source. <laughs> Mr. Ed would pass messages to the highest. Dave, how am I going to do anything but picture a horse doing this? <laughs> no, I couldn't either. I mean, it's the most fucked up thing ever. I've got something from downtown. <laughs> what is it, Mr. Ed? Mr. Ed. Passed messages to the highest levels of the CIA in White House and was always telling Roy about wild plots against Lyndon's life. Okay. So, right, so this is a mysterious character who's got all these connections. And he also keeps telling Lyndon, which Lyndon already says, but now he's just getting it reaffirmed. Right. Lyndon said Roy could, quote, detect nasties by their wiggle. Oh, my God. <laughs> which we all, I mean, the best could do that. Yeah, for sure. But Mr. Ed did not exist. Hmm. Roy made him up. Interesting. Most of the intelligence was made up by Roy, and Roy even had a friend pretend he was Mr. Ed and go to meetings with Lyndon. Oh, that guy. Dude, what if he knows? Just shut up and sit there. Just nod. He's fucking crazy. Just look uh, not into it. In 1980, Lyndon ran for president again. His platform included building a tunnel under the Bering Strait, his own version of quantum physics and making his wedding anniversary a week-long national holiday. <laughs> it's so Trump. Uh, it is. It really is. Yeah. He dissolved the USLP and ran as a Democrat. Oh, my God, this guy. Well, he thought there's not a conservative uh, wing of the Democratic Party, so I'll right. fill that void. Right, right, The DNC couldn't legally ban him from entering primaries. <laughs> so Lyndon ran a national half-hour TV ads describing himself as similar to F- FDR. Oh, wow. And his name recognition shot up. People magazine said he had the, quote, best organized fringe campaign in American history. He won 185,000 votes in 15 states. Now, he's getting matching funding. So when you right, hit a right. certain amount, you can get matching funding. Right. So he's getting money. Like, this is all totally doable financially, wow. right? In the early 1980s, Lyndon focused on, on, on his scientific organization. So he has a scientific organization called the Fusion Energy Foundation on a space-based beam weapon. What? The FEF recruited respected scientists and was praised by a government physicist for its, quote, top drawer technical expertise. The FEF lobbied and met with Reagan administration top officials about the space-based beam weapons program. So this, they, they, they met with Ronald Reagan's administration about making a space beam? You're about to say yes. Yeah. What? That's fucking crazy. 
1983, February 1983, <laughs> Lyndon wrote that Beam's weapons would become, quote, a household word in America during the month of March. What? Okay. In March, Ronald Reagan announced the Strategic Defense Initiative, a.k.a. Star Wars, a space-based beam weapons program. Oh, God. Uh, What? God damn it. What happened? It's just impossible. We need the beam weapon. (laughs) The FEF became the de facto Star Wars spokespeople and were often quoted in the media as respected space beam weapons experts. Well, that is an oxymoronic title. Like, people, here are the racist space beam experts. People want to act like Trump is this unique thing. Yeah. We've fucking been here before. Yeah. And it's just that nobody, everyone acts like it didn't happen. We've been here. Yeah. The Lurusians moved to a compound in rural Leesburg, Virginia, an hour outside of D.C., because, quote, the terrorist organizations which have targeted Mr. LaRouche do not have bases of operations in Virginia. A cult member later said Lyndon was just isolating supporters to make them, quote, totally creatures of the organization. The compound was guarded by men in camouflage with automatic weapons. Jesus Christ. LaRouchians, uh, LaRouchians focused their support uh, on Reagan's 1984 election. They recruited 2,000 candidates to run in primaries nationwide, but they weren't actually running. Their whole goal was to just smear Democratic candidate Walter Mondale. Hmm. So on every all these 2,000 races around the country, you just have a Republican, a Democrat, and, and then a person or, or, this person is terrible. Democrat is often just talking shit about right. their right. own presidential candidate. Right, right. Most had no connection to Lyndon and were just confused senior citizens or ultra conservatives trying to help Reagan. Well, that sounds like the Democrats. <laughs> Despite running as Democrats, they praised Reagan and Star Wars while savagely attacking Mondale. Wow. In 1984, NBC reporter Pat Lynch ran an expose about Lurushian's ties to the Reagan administration, particularly the National Security Council. In it, the Anti-Defamation League called Lyndon an anti-Semite, and Lurushian's then picketed NBC with signs reading, Lynch, Pat Lynch. And posters and posted flyers in Lynch's parents' neighborhood, claiming she was running a call girl ring out of their home. Oh my god! See, this is how, yeah. and this is still going on today. This right wing tactic of if you say anything about us, our our attacks Machine. on you will yeah. be vicious to yeah. the point it's pure intimidation, yeah. and it works. Yeah. Lyndon sued NBC and the Anti Defamation League for defamation. <laughs> Oh, my God. That is so amazing. That is amazing. For what? Uh, defamation. Should have seen this coming. No, we're the anti-defamation league. Nah, well, you defamed us. Uh, nice try, liars. Lyndon was extensively questioned in the courtroom. A juror, quote, all of us had sores on the inside of our cheeks, either from biting them to keep from laughing or to keep from screaming. Oh, wow. Lyndon lost the case, and he paid $3 million to NBC for directing supporters to impersonate Lynch and her staff. Oh, my God. This is crazy. 
And yet the Reagan administration refused to speak out against Lyndon LaRouche. Right. LaRoucheans picked up fundraising for Reagan, asking elderly conservatives to hand over their life savings to, quote, help President Reagan keep America strong. In 1986, LaRoucheans candidates won Democratic nominations for lieutenant governor and secretary of state in Illinois. Oh, my God. Now, there's a tons of corruption in Chicago, and yeah, everyone yeah. gets mad at it. So uh, no one was expecting it because um, they weren't following election returns. So the LaRoucheans don't think anything's going to happen. They're not following election returns. So at the time that the election results are coming in, the LaRoucheans are holding a mock exorcism outside of the house of a professor. Hey, you're the lieutenant governor. Who they what? said was an evil warlock. I'm trying to <laughs> fix this warlock. What's going on? You guys, you're the lieutenant governor now. I have it. There's a demon in this. Are you serious? You won. What? Well, that was just, they just won the Democratic primary. Oh, the primary. Okay. But still, it fucks everything yes, up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in her victory speech, the LaRussian Secretary of State nominee said, quote, I'm going to revive the spirit of Abraham Lincoln and General Patton. We're going to roll our tanks down State Street. Oh, well, here we go. A lot of Dems had cast protest votes against the corrupt Democratic machine, but LaRoucheans campaigned vigorously to get white working-class voters uh, with their anti-drug and anti-crime platform. An Illinois pollster said, quote, This wasn't a fluke. They seized an opportunity. Still, the LaRoucheans lost in the general election, but he caused the Dem to lose, too, yeah. which was the goal. Well, then the Democratic Party's goal was for the LaRoucheans to lose. <laughs> That's right. Republican. It's a shit yeah. show. Yeah. A couple months later, the Secretary of State nominee threw a pound of raw liver at the feet of the Milwaukee Archbishop for supporting the International Monetary Fund. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in California, Lennon created the Prevent AIDS Now Initiative Committee. I have a feeling it's not going to be the way that we would all hope to prevent. Uh, Prevent AIDS Now Initiative Committee spells out panic. Okay. It was to promote his belief that AIDS was a, quote, man-made evil linked to cults out of Babylon. He said AIDS could be spread by air, rats, and mosquitoes. <laughs> I mean, I was in California this time. I remember this. It was unfucking believable Right. Using the slogan, quote, spread panic, not AIDS, LaRouchian gathered 700,000 signatures to get Proposition 64 on the 1986 ballot, which called for the quarantine of AIDS patients. Wow. Yeah. Their AIDS propaganda was identical to Nazi syphilis propaganda. Prop 64 got over 2 million votes, 29% of the total. Wow. That's too much. Yeah. Uh, so it's still a win for Lyndon. His biographer later wrote, quote, LaRouche scored a major ideological breakthrough for neo-Nazism in America. He took a previously taboo idea and forced isolation for the scapegoat and elevated it to a topic of legitimate discourse. Imagine that happening. Yeah. Can't imagine. But Lyndon's financial empire was unraveling. A grand jury in Boston indicted a LaRouchean organization on credit card fraud. And Lyndon asked Roy Frankhauser to send Mr. Ed to investigate. Yeah, well, you know who we got to call. Who? Mr. Ed. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. He is now teaching uh, scuba lessons. He's a scuba horse. or scuba? He's scuba. a horse? He's a horse. What? Have you ever seen the show, Mr. Ed? Yeah. It's that guy. What are you talking about? He's the guy. No, I had meetings with this guy. He's Oh, that guy. 
That he said guy, I am, am no CIA people. That guy, that guy, yeah, he teaches scuba now. He's a scuba teacher. Who's the horse? The horse, you know, he's the horse. He's the horse, of course. Uh, so he sends Roy, he gives Roy, you know, money to investigate with Mr. Ed, but Roy instead went to a Star Trek convention in Scranton. Hey, how's the investigation going? <laughs> uh, really good. Put your phaser. No, no, it's really good. Uh, we're actually knee deep in this right now. God, I'll tell you, Mr. Ed is, he's a pit bull when you get him out of here. <laughs> Put Mr. Ed on the phone. Um, that is, he's the guy that is not going to be possible right now. Well, he, uh, he's with Spock. He called Lyndon from the convention and warned him that the FBI had wiretapped Lyndon, Lyndon's phones. So you just gave him, like, a little bit of stuff to go crazy on? Yeah. Hey, you know, but they did tap your phones. Well, that's the week. Uh, so Roy, uh, very soon after, was arrested on a variety of charges, and he cooperated with prosecutors and testified. Did he give up Mr. Ed? Well, th- he did talk about Mr. Ed. <laughs> He testified that LaRouche's organization asked him to assassinate former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, among other things. Why didn't that happen? Like, why couldn't one good thing come out of this? Like, they kill, they kill Kissinger. Like, so, Lyndon was called as a defense witness. You can't kill liquid. It's true. Lyndon was called as a defense witness for Roy, but he used his Fifth Amendment rights and didn't right, testify. Okay. Roy was found guilty of obstructing justice for Lyndon and was sentenced to three years in prison. And then he was given testimony. I mean, he was given immunity to testify against Lyndon. Right. Okay. Um, so he also, during that trial, explained that Mr. Ed wasn't real. Oh, man. Imagine, imagine Lyndon's face when he's hearing that. What? Lyndon ran for president in uh, 1988. Laurentian candidates won more local Democratic primaries than ever. But a court found Lyndon guilty of 11 counts of mail fraud and conspiring to defraud the IRS. On January 20th, 1989. So he wasn't under audit? That's right. Okay. <laughs> on January 28th, 1989, Lyndon got a 15 year sentence uh, and he was sent to federal prison in Minnesota. Now Helga's in charge. Okay. So Helga turns all the LaRouchian resources to her passion project. Lowering the standard international orchestral tuning pitch by an imperceptible amount from 440 hertz to 432 hertz. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Now, hold on a minute. Now. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The new goal Mm -hmm. is to get the... (laughs) One more time. The um, international orchestral <laughs> tuning pitch, the standard, low so like from 440 a, hertz a, a to 432. A tuning fork, essentially, what that'll be set at. I really don't understand it. Well, I think it's just saying that, uh, well, it's basically saying like, I don't know. Well, it's an imperceptible amount. Like, it's almost right, like yes, you can't. Yes, yes, an yes. Es- an esoteric author had claimed 432 hertz was the correct tuning for cosmic potential unlockings. And that at 44 hertz, it caused aggressive and antisocial behavior. So that's the problem. So we get that's this right. Everything's cosmic peace on, peace. Earth. peace on Earth. Right. So LaRouchian's got dozens of opera's biggest names, including uh, Placido Domingo Just so and you know, Luciano what Pavarotti. What you're saying is insane. <laughs> 
What? And Luciano Pavarotti. Pavarotti. Does he have any idea what he's showing up to? He signed a petition asking Italian Parliament to lower the national standard pitch. He signed it. Yeah. What? They both did. What? what how? Fuck, I don't know, man. Uh, but then it, the ties to the Laurentians were publicized, and the, the campaign fell apart. Okay. Lyndon, meanwhile in jail, claimed his cell was bugged, and he ran for president in 1992. Well, it's quite a back-to-back. He did not do well in the Democratic primaries, but ran in the general election in states that allowed imprisoned candidates. Sure. He got the second fewest votes nationally of any candidate. Well, imagine being the last. <laughs> I really should not be in politics. That's all this is saying. He was released in January 1994, and yet in the 1996 Democratic primaries, he won enough votes in Louisiana and Virginia to get delegates at the national convention. My God. The party instructed states to disregard his votes. So no convention delegates vote for him. In 2000, he runs for president again, and he gets 22% of the vote in the Arkansas Democratic primary. This gave him six delegates at the convention, and the National Party again refused to allow his delegates. And then came 9-11, and Lyndon took a strong stand against the Bush administration, especially Dick Cheney, and with his huge opposition to the Iraq war, his, this activism created a big presence on college campuses and brought him in many new young recruits. Oh, no. So it's a classic cult. A member said leaders, quote, were constantly asking us if we would die for these ideas. Every morning at 8 a.m., the followers at the Virginia compound would sing old slave spirituals, followed by hearing apocalyptic news briefing from Lyndon or another leader, oh. and then they'd spread the day, spend the day fundraising and recruiting until 10 p.m. In 1904, Lyndon ran for president. In 2004. Sorry, 2004. He ran for president. He told his followers, quote, I have a better chance of being elected than you have of surviving if I'm not. That's cool to hear. <laughs> Best campaign yeah, slogan awesome. ever. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Do it or we're going to die. Can't you see Trump saying that? Yeah. Yeah. In 2008 and 2012 elections, Lyndon went after Obama, calling him, quote, the new Hitler, which is weird because he likes Hitler, but, you know. Right. Yeah. He called climate change a hoax. They disrupted uh, environmental rallies. They spent 2016 mocking Trump, quote, he's a festering pustule on Satan's rump. Don't you be a chump for Trump. They would chant that. It rhymes a bunch. But after Trump won, Lyndon praised Trump's, quote, intent to end the policies of British imperial free trade and make a full commitment to industry manufacturing, scientific advancement, and world peace. Roger Stone spoke at a LaRouche convention. Of course. Uh, and then Lyndon began suffering from dementia. He started posting. Began? <laughs> he started posting YouTube videos that were nonsensical, like even more nonsensical than they already right. could be. One example: "Quote: We are about to do a job on the study of China with the idea of the development of the back of the moon. The back of the moon is very specific kind of physical principle. The, that principle, when properly understood, will change the history of mankind." On February twelfth, nineteen. Uh, 2019, Lennon LaRouche died at the age of 96. When? February 12th. Wow. 2019. Uh, his followers refused to tell the media and the location uh, and the cause of his death. Wow. Jesus Christ. How do you feel? I don't know. Not good, but I do know. I mean, you know that, like, you're right. I think that everybody treats Trump like an anomaly like how did this happen and then there are there are just so many 
little things that yeah, we've been here. Yeah, and and clearly there has been a history of this sort of. That's why people act like Reagan. I know wasn't Reagan was incredibly similar to this. Yeah. I mean, aside from the the crazy sexual stuff. Um, his whole thing was make America great again. He's make America great again. He put yeah. a wreath on a, a Nazi's grave. Right, yeah. He he did the Star Wars shit. Like Reagan was out of his fucking mind, and yeah. so were the people around him. And it is very similar. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's cool. It is cool. It's a cool time. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, I just want to say, uh, let me read this. Um, you go ahead and talk or whatever you do. I just can't. I, I just can't. It's like, it, it's also got a little bit of a hint of tea party to it too. It does. Like with just with the sense of extremely organized playing to, you know, a section and being very, very fucking aggressive. And you know, that, that works. Yeah. There are so many factions today that it's like, it's hard to even know. I mean, it, it still is crazy that we're represented by two parties. Oh, I totally. mean, how? <laughs> yeah, no, I, but that's just the way the system is. Like, yeah. You're never going to get away from that. Yeah. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this, uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes this same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 